Hello and welcome back to Tells. Hello, Andrew. Allow me to summon the strength to podcast after thinking about how dumb ayahuasca is. Babe, <laughs> first of all, you cannot judge something that you don't know, you've never seen, you've never experienced. What are you judging it based on? I'm judging it based on... I mean, I've smoked weed, right? So, and I've drank alcohol. Okay. So those are both drugs. So I understand how a drug can put you in a different state of mind and maybe give you a different perspective on life. But don't people sort of like treat the new drug of the day as if it's like the greatest thing ever? Like a, a discovery that could change the world or something? Well, first of all, people don't think of ayahuasca as a drug. They think of it as a medicine. <laughs> does weed help you? Well, weed probably, but does alcohol help you with PTSD? No, I don't think so. Okay. There have been lots of like soldiers and people who have been in traumatic situations who That's... have used ayahuasca, they say, to heal or like help them with their post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, that part is fair because... Obviously, people get prescribed marijuana for various ailments. And even there's talk about, what is it, ecstasy or molly, one of the two that could have some benefits or like microdosing various things, et cetera. So I get that. But that's not why the people generally, the, the ones that you hear about are taking it. Taking ayahuasca? Yeah. Okay. Who have you heard taking ayahuasca and what are they taking it's it for? Tons of people. What are they taking it for? To find God or to find themselves or whatever. So why is that so wrong? <laughs> it's not like, I guess it's just when it's like a trend, you know, as if, oh my God, this is the thing. Now it's the thing that we all must do to find the way. And, that, and then like five years down the road, it'd be like, okay, you guys check this new thing out. It's the thing. We <laughs> discovered the thing. We all must go into the desert and do this. Well, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's people who take ayahuasca for like the high of it. But what I've heard and read and the people that I've spoken to who have taken ayahuasca, for them is like uh, there is a way, right? So there is a way to God and whatever God means to you, right? And so for some people, it's just like the realization of self in this life experience. And so... Apparently, ayahuasca takes you there quicker than like the natural course of your life will or meditation. Like a lot of people live life very unconsciously and so yeah. they're not looking for anything. So you're hating on the people who are conscious enough of themselves to look for something. You're saying don't look for anything. You're looking for something. Aren't you always looking for more fulfillment, less pain, more joy? Yeah. So that can be God. But shouldn't the act of searching for that be the trend rather than this particular thing be the trend? That is the trend. That is the trend. Is like, it? it doesn't the, seem like The it. trend is for the being to evolve, to become more of itself. Every single religion promises the same thing, that you're going to find God. 
and you're going to find something. You're going to find yeah. less pain. So, less... so it doesn't matter. It's just like starting a new religion. Yeah, but like that's the thing. I don't understand why it has to be a thing. Why can't it just be because you asking yourself? If you find something that has helped you, you want to share it. Fine. Right? That's how like you share Ghost Donkey or whatever bar that you find. Yeah. <laughs> and want to share it with your audience. If I found ayahuasca and it helped me with my pain and you're in pain, why wouldn't I tell you about it? Um, well, how could it be like the thing for so many different people if it's not just like because it's a trend? Because everyone should be different, right? Are we really that different though? <laughs> yes, we are. I we hope are? So. I don't know, aren't we? No. No. No? Okay. Maybe you're right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you just, because you don't explore that part of yourself. Which part? Like your mystical <laughs> part. And so what does that mean, just, your mystical part? Like the part that's not your personality. Well, you You're say not these... just a personality. You're <laughs> a more than a personality. <laughs> well, you say these things, these like esoteric terms, but then you also say like... God is actually inside of you. You don't need to go outside and search for these things. Absolutely. So how does That's that That's what I'm saying. So if you, people say, if you take ayahuasca, you come, so the point is to come to the realization of God as you. God expressing itself as you. Okay. And so if there was only one way, we wouldn't have all these religions. And if we allowed each other to find God, however we find God, whether it's ayahuasca, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's Hindu, Muslim, <laughs> Christian, we would have no problems in the world. But we're always trying to say, my way is better, yeah. right? So I'm just saying that as an individual, you, the, the thing that you have is choice. You have the choice to say, ah, I don't think ayahuasca is my way. But I can share with you that, listen here, this is, was my experience. And this is why I think ayahuasca is the way. And then you as an individual have a choice to choose whether that might be your way or not. You don't have to do it. Just like you don't have to convert to Judaism or Hindu or Muslim or whatever. You don't. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good news. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. It's like the new cocktail. Is that what you're saying? It's like the in thing. Could be any, pick any trend. It just feels like. And I am sure there's a lot of people who just want to bypass the process and just like think that you can take a pill. Right. But it's, it's also part of your nation's culture. It's like, I paid my money, give me my knowledge. Are I they, paid uh, my money, give me my stuff. Are they not doing ayahuasca in other countries? They are, but it's also been, it's been done here. In Peru, the kids grow up doing ayahuasca. So it's not like something they come to as adults. The kids grow up Is taking that ayahuasca. That true? The kids, yeah, because it's part of their culture. Is that true? Baby, ask the <laughs> Peruvian men who come from there. Ask them. Okay. Okay, well, I don't like it. <laughs> For everybody. I mean, I, have, I haven't I have taken ayahuasca. I don't know if I'll ever take ayahuasca. You probably but will. But I don't shame people 
for trying to find their way. You do you, boo. That's fine. I just don't see why everyone has to do the same thing all of a sudden. Well, I just told you. <laughs> I told you that if you find something that you find good, you, you want to tell other people and you want other people to have your experience so that you can build this community, right? So. Everybody's always trying to fit in. So that just means anytime something comes along, we're all going to try it. That's how we've always done things, right? So. so your point is... I don't know. Yeah. Never mind. Because <laughs> the same thing, right? YouTube started, one schmuck uploaded a video, and then somebody else was like, hey, there's this cool thing where you can record yourself and put it on the internet. Yeah. You can do it too. Mm-hmm. It's just how we are. We need to share our experiences. We need to tell people what we've done. And I mean, I think there's some definitely like non-kosher things that can happen in these environments, but that's not for me to judge. First of all, if you're an adult, you need to take responsibility for your own life. Nobody can police these things for everybody. What if I took ayahuasca while I was playing poker? God knows what your experience would be. I don't. Do you think I could start a trend in the poker community? I'm sure there's already people who are microdosing in the poker community. You just don't know about, what about it. What about macro dosing? I don't know, baby. I okay. haven't taken ayahuasca, so I can't tell you. Well, report back to you next week. You're going to take ayahuasca now? Yes. No, you're not. I don't even know where to get it. What is it? It's a medicine. Where do you get it? You have to go to a shaman. Where the hell do you do that? These days you can find shamans online. Online. Online shaman. 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 Yep. 1-800-CALL-SHAMAN. <laughs> Most people come to ayahuasca from, like you say, a friend, right? And then they'll refer you to the person that did their ceremony for them. Is it legal or illegal? It is illegal in the U.S. still. So a drug dealer then is where you need to get it. That's... Just a whole bunch of horseshit. <laughs> do you want to start down this drug path? I don't think so. I do not think so. Because so weed was an illegal drug. Yeah. And why? Why? Why was it illegal? Okay, illegal? let's not go down yeah, this path. Yeah, exactly. Let's not go down this path. Okay, do you want to talk about poker now? Talk about something that you know something about? <laughs> I don't know if that's poker, but sure. What do you mean? I guess I know a little bit about it. So more you, than ayahuasca, that's that's for sure. I mean, I don't, I haven't taken ayahuasca, so I don't know that much about it. I just know what I've read, the people I've spoken to, and do you have a shaman? Shaman? I do not have a shaman. Uh, Christianette actually had a podcast about ayahuasca. Should go listen to it. She also had one on like LSD or something, didn't she? Mushrooms, yeah. mushrooms, maybe. Oh, she did. Her and her husband, they. Uh, took one of the two and were hanging out in the their little camper van or something while it was raining outside and recorded a podcast. Really? So that's what we should be doing. Trying different drugs and recording different podcasts. So now we're not trying to be like we're trying to be like everybody else even though the <laughs> point was not to be like everybody else. That's why just, were we take why are we taking LSD? It's to, you know, mm. give you some different perspectives, right? Open the doors of your mind. My favorite, one of my favorite bands used to be a, a band called The Doors, and they got that name from... LSD? Yeah. They used to just take some LSD and open the doors of their mind? Yes. Very cool. But yeah, just because you, like what? Because LSD is like 
more accepted in your circles or you know what i mean like in the music world i don't think it's more accepted i just think it's not it's been around and it's not like the hot topic of the moment so maybe ayahuasca won't be in 10 years it won't i don't be think it will be hot topic when people i'm sure will still be taking ayahuasca just like they take lsd occasionally well i'll be talking about something else yeah that's just human behavior what, what, what do you think it'll be Come up with a four-syllable word, and that's what it'll be. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, poker happened. Played some poker. Won some money. Yeah, I saw you had a what chip? Flag. Flag. Almost called it a cranberry. What's no. a cranberry? The $25,000 one. Yeah. One time I was at the what is now the Lily Lounge at the Bellagio. Before it was Caramel. Remember that? Vaguely. Okay. Well, years ago, it was a place called Caramel. And not sure what was happening. Um, standing there at the bar having a drink. And a couple of guys came out from the, either the casino or the poker room or something. And this one dude had several cocktails by this time. But he reached into his pocket and pulled out all the chips that were in his pocket. And it was a big handful of cranberry chips. And he was like pretty drunk. And his buddy was there who was a little bit more aware. And I was like, uh, you might want to make sure he doesn't drop any of those on the floor. I thought you were going to ask for one. And be like, <laughs> can I have one of those? I should have. Just to he see probably it. would have given you one. Yeah, it's a free roll. But yeah, crazy, huh? Vegas. Just random Vegas story. Yeah. So um, are you going to have a cranberry? Yeah, someday. <laughs> furrowing your brow at me why not you don't you doubt me that i'll ever be uh cashing out a cranberry no i don't i'm just like trying to figure out oh. what the path would be oh to you're get trying to envision it cranberry because what stakes have you you have to be playing to get a twenty-five thousand dollar chip well even like the 10 20 games those are uncapped and they often become 10 20 40 games and people buy in pretty deep I think like a standard buy-in, I mean, 100 big blinds is technically like a buy-in, but people in live poker buy in pretty deep. So in the 10-20 or 10-20-40 game, I think like 5K is more standard. 5K buy-in? Yeah. So then if you go on a heater in that game. Up five buy-ins. Or if you have a good week or something, good weekend, like we had this this weekend. Playing the 5-10. Why do you think you had a good week? Um, what did you do differently? Well, there was obvious run good. That always is important. But I think when I came back from Reno, just like spending time around some other good poker players, like the guys that are on Team Run It Up, and like being in the commentary and um, getting the chance to just honestly ask them questions about like what they think about different spots. That stuff is so helpful. Um, and I felt like I was in a really good mindset when I came back from Reno. You know, you get out of town for a while and you're, you come back and you're fresh, having, you know, changed up your scenery a little bit. That's always good. Get out of, especially getting out of Vegas for a little while. So yeah, combination of all that stuff, I think. This dude, Ricky, who's on the team, I think is probably the best No Limit Hold'em player. So I got to be in the commentary booth with him a few times and just pick his brain a little bit in different spots. Best poker player in the world? No Limit poker player in the world? Not in the world, but on the team, on the run, team run it up. Hmm. So anybody can join the team, clearly? <laughs> um yeah probably 
So where is this Ricky person from? He streams from Jersey on the regulated sites there. What game does he play? Mostly No Limit Tech Soul. Uh, mostly tournaments. He started in cash games, though. He's got this group of uh, friends and poker players called the Young Wizards. Oh. I asked him if he's accepting uh, applications to the old wannabe Wizards subgroup of the Young Wizards. <laughs> what did he say? No. Uh, he just liked my tweet and didn't reply. <laughs> I think that means you're too old to join the young wizards. Yes. So what does that mean, though? Does it mean you have to ditch your old friends, your current poker group? Like me specifically? Yeah, so you can join the young wizards and be better. Um, Yeah, my old poker texting group isn't exactly in the same form uh, that it used to be um, because a few of those guys are doing different things now. I mean, we have the Hand History Lounge. That's pretty beneficial to me. I always hop in there every day and read people's hands and chime in on hands. And Benton is answering questions in there. So that's super helpful to me. And then whatever else I come across online is good. But yeah, expanding. What are you reading these days online? I don't know if I'm reading. um, Watching? Yeah. If there's some hands from Live at the Bike, sometimes those are interesting. Or Doug is still occasionally putting out a hand review. Um, So his stuff has always been kind of beneficial to me. But yeah, expanding the circle to these other guys, I think, is going to be pretty helpful, too. And age yourself 10 years? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I think we got... I'm not sure exactly how old Lex Belthouse is, but having him in there doesn't make me feel quite as old. <laughs> he's got the salt and pepper hair happening. And he's still crushing. So I've been off social media for one week. Mm, that's right. One, one week and one day. Eight days. And... I am telling you, like, you won't believe me. You will still try and fight me on this. What? That you need to be on and you need to be connected. It is so not true. Yeah. Okay. So. First of all, I thought I was sleeping well when I was on my clean program. I'm sleeping even better without social media. Hmm. And my dreams are so vivid. Really? Every day? Every night. So sleeping better, feeling better. Yeah, and my mood has been better, no? No comment. What? <laughs> no, yes, it has. I, uh, yeah, it has been. What are you going to say? I was going to say something about like... Because if I say, yeah, it has been, you you might be like, why, what was wrong with me before? <laughs> you know? No, I mean, it. I can tell. Okay. And it's not like I, I, I didn't feel like I felt bad. Do you still grab your phone in the morning when you're still in bed? No. I use my alarm clock to check the time. And then you get out of bed and... Pick up my phone and come... I mean, I could even leave it outside. It doesn't make any... Huh. I don't need it. It's really life-changing. I've yeah. read two books. Two books in eight days. <laughs> How much time? You know what I mean? How much time? I know. I wish if I had more you, time. But you do. <laughs> you do have the time. You just choose <laughs> to spend it on social. Right. So I, w- I was reading a book called Deep Work. And it talks about how it, all our internet habits, like browsing and social media and email, leave our brains so fragmented that we can't do 
work that matters. You just keep adding on more stuff so you feel like you've accomplished something, but you really haven't hmm. because your mental state is so fragmented. You remember how we, we spoke about not really needing to rest your brain? Like giving your brain something new to do re-energizes you. Right. So your body gets tired, right? Like if you're going to run a marathon, your body's going to be tired. Sure. But your brain is not quite like that. So if you have been working on something for four hours and you go then start working or doing something else. Yeah. Your brain gets re-energized by the novelty. So your brain okay. doesn't really get tired. And we spoke about that, right? About. That. But then with social media, we don't have that opportunity because it's just like, there's no, there's not a long enough stretch for your brain to be locked into something because it's constantly flicking through different inputs, right? Different imagery, different sounds, every so, and so there's never focused attention on anything. And that's why we get so exhausted. So that's what happens to me I, when I use my phone and social media so I can open up Instagram and go through DMs and stuff and watch some stories and whatever, maybe scroll through the feed a little bit and then hop over to Twitter, do the same, look at mentions, scroll through a bunch of people's tweets, um, hop onto Facebook and check out the Hand History Lounge, not to keep mentioning this in this, in this podcast, but look at there. And then by the time I've done all that. You're exhausted. No, there's no. new stuff to look at on Instagram. <laughs> So that I can reopen Instagram. <laughs> we watch some new stories. We all do it. Yeah. But you're robbing yourself of focused attention. So, I mean, this guy, it's a book by Cal Newport. He's a professor of um, computer science at Georgetown University. This is deep work? Deep work. If I was going to make an album, I would like to call it Deep Work. It'd be, it'd be deep house music. Um, but he talks about, you know, that kind of focused attention needed to write to code, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it, and I miss those days, like where the whole day is just gone, and you were in this world, and at the end you have a bit of code that works or like a program that works, right? And we don't get that satisfaction because we're constantly getting small doses of dopamine from just flicking through Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and going and back. And um, But then he also talks about if you do need it for your job, not deactivating the service, but you controlling the service, right? So having blocks of interrupted time so you set aside time to be interrupted and not just your whole life being interrupted because that's pretty much how we function like when you edit a video yeah you editing it emits like dms and messages and email and everything i guess so so it'll be really interesting when i go back to instagram i kind of feel like i'll go once a week I think that would be ideal. But uh, I think if you remove your your barrier, you'll be sucked back in immediately without the rules. Without the rules of no Instagram at all? Yeah, you're screwed. 
<laughs> okay. Okay, moving Listen, on. Listener feedback. Let's go. Yes. You usually announce this portion of the episode, but today I did it. We got a message from Hesh. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. So Hesh says, hi, Busy and Andrew. Hope you guys are doing well. So I have a South African friend. He's white, Afrikaans, here in Cyprus, and I lived in South Africa before. And we were talking the other day about marriage traditions in different cultures with a bunch of people. So I told them what I thought I knew about the KwaZulu-Natal marriage tradition because my friends from the KZN told me about it when I was in SA. That is Zulu for, for short. KwaZulu-Natal. KwaZulu-Natal. Right. So my friend Mbumi told me that in her culture, she's from KZN. Note, she's from KZN. What is that? KwaZulu Natal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he said from there, I got confused. Because Zulu are a people. The family of the groom goes to the, to the family of the bride, and then they have to, like, pay some money to get in the house. This is true. And I've told you about this, right? It's, it's, not, it's not Lobola. It's called the Vulam Long. Okay. Which means, like he says... And they have to pay money to start talking, which is literal translation, vulam lom. Yeah. Okay. It's not a lot, but it's symbolic. And then the family of the bride starts showing all the girls in the family and they say something like, we came to take a flower from your garden. And when they see the different girls, they say, it's not this one and it's not that one. And they go through all the girls and, until they say yes to the girl that the groom wants to marry okay so this all sounds like it's in a very literal translation sense but is this actually what goes down today yes this is exactly what happens so i mean yeah i mean when you translate it from zulu yeah a flower is in bali and some girls are actually called bali as well okay but yes this is what would happen and so if there were multiple girls or if the girls in the neighborhood so that they make sure that the groom knows like the groom's family knows who their bride is going to be. So it absolutely happens. Have they met these? Uh, has the groom met the girl before? Or they, of course. Just like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no backstory here. So it sounds like the family's just going over there and selecting someone from the family. And then the family of the bride starts showing all the girls in the family. Because you've told your parents. As the girl, I've told my mom and dad and my aunties and uncles that... There's going to be a family, whatever their last name is. Guatema is going to come here and they're going to ask for my hand in marriage. Okay. So then the groom now has, so he's openly declaring who he's picking. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like a uh -huh. okay. proposing in public. Okay. So he's saying, yes, this is the one that yeah. I've come for. And the way in the email it's written, it's like they're <laughs> putting up like a, a, like a marketplace. Or something. Yeah, he's just like in all the girls of the land, yeah, this okay. is the one I'm picking. Okay. Carry on. And then. So that's one thing. And he has another question. And then the other thing is that the groom has to give the family of the bride and what the bride has to give the family of the groom. So the groom has to give a cow and whiskey and a broom, I think, and the bride has to give a blanket and whiskey and something else. I can't remember the exact details, but I know it's a cow for the groom and that was shocking for me because he has to spend a bunch of money so my question is is this really the tradition in south africa or you think Bumi was just trolling me 
Love the podcast. Keep it up, guys. Okay, Hesh, thank you so much for the question, feedback. Question. Um, so the second part is Labola, right? Right. At least from the groom's point of view. Right. And that's the thing, too. That's like very personal based on what the family wants. So if your family doesn't drink whiskey, you don't need to give them whiskey. Mm-hmm. But it used to be cows. Yeah, multiple cows. Yeah, and now it can be money. Um, and then there would still be either a cow or sheep or something for the umsebenzi, like the celebration of the coming together of these two families. Yeah. This is even before we got to the wedding. This is like the engagement portion. Yeah. And so, first of all, I have a South African friend. He's white. And he says, the Afrikaans says that that's not true about traditions. That's why I brought, I brought it up. That's why I oh, I brought him up. So I just wanted to make sure I have the correct information. So he said, no, that's not true. It's all nonsense. Dear Afrikaans guy in Cyprus, <laughs> if you had ever been to a black Zulu wedding, mm-hmm. you would probably know that this is true. Okay. But since you have not, you would probably refer somebody who's asking to another black <laughs> Zulu person, not a Sutu <laughs> person, not a Zwana person, not a Kasa person, not a Vanda person. Okay. Um, is it is it possible that do 100% of the Zulu families do this? They do some version of it. Okay. But you can't just say it's not true when you're not even Zulu. That's yeah. a little bit... Uh, yeah, maybe he... Giving him the benefit of the doubt would be maybe he happened to know somebody who was Zulu who never did any of that. My next question is, where do they put these cows? That's the thing. There's not cows anymore. Yeah. Right? If you were in Guazulu, you you would have the land to have the cows. Mm -hmm. So you'd have the land and you'd have the kraal to house your cows. Okay. But living in Johannesburg, there's no land. Nobody got space for no cows. For the cows. So Uh you just, now you lobola with money. That cash money. Yeah. Cars. Whiskey. Whiskey. Depends. That's like, yeah. Okay. Isn't it the same thing in America and in Western culture? You jump over the broom, right? There's that saying. Oh, is that what it's for? Same thing, yeah. Not to like upgrade their sweeping (laughs) tool, Dyson. Upgrade their sweeping tool. Maybe a Dyson vacuum cleaner. No? Okay. (laughs) Maybe. But I mean, (laughs) it's like me saying I know what goes on in a a Hindi wedding. Mm -hmm. I'm not Hindu. How would I know for sure? Like, okay, go well, to the source, Hesh. Now we know. Now Hesh can pass that information on to his Afrikaans friend and more knowledge is spread thanks to Tell's podcast. That's right. From a Zulu woman. Okay. So now you have two Zulu women telling you that this is true, Hesh. <laughs> yeah. If there's any more clarification needed about Zulu culture, please send those questions in. Okay, um, anything else? No, that's probably all we have time for. Thank you so much for listening to the Tells podcast. If you like this podcast, please, what do we do if you like a podcast? Share it with your friends. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, maybe think about picking up a t-shirt from favorableapparel.com and subscribe to my vlog on YouTube. You don't think everybody who listens to the podcast is subscribed to your vlog? I bet. There's some percentage that are not actually subscribed. That are just watching. They could be watching without having been subscribed. Just commit.
Commit to Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. Pay Lobola with your subscription. <laughs> yes, no cows needed. <laughs> just one click. Just, subscribe. Just okay, subscribe. before we go, let's talk about what you're going to, how are you going to get 100,000 subscribers? By asking people on Tell's Podcast to please click that subscribe button. Click the notification bell so you don't miss any videos. Tell a friend about the video. Okay, so there we go. Until next time. Bye.